Hey, welcome back to another episode of The Russians. Hello. Yeah, well, uh, well, what are we going to talk about today? We're, we have a we have a podcast that's going to be focused on um, Julian Assange, I think. Russia related. Russia related podcast. Well, is it considered? It kind of is. What do you mean? He, everyone? Uh, yeah. Yes, everyone thinks it's like Putin is behind him or something like that. Well, because uh, because he helped, he released the emails. He helped to release the emails. Hillary that Clinton's. Were, the, yeah. Yes, Hillary Clinton's emails, and you know during the presidency uh, presidential election. Between it with the contest between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, and you know, so I'll tell you what that conspiracy would work much better if Putin sent him a, a jet to get him the hell out of yeah. London and yeah. um, to the safe haven. I mean, of who Moscow. knows where the emails came from? We still don't really know. So you know, he published uh, Chelsea Manning's uh, email things that he got, and the guy is you know worked as a as an analyst for the U.S. for the U.S. Army, and so does that mean he's the U.S. government is behind him. I don't know. Yeah. Well, someone would say that. Huh? Or, or people are behind, or the U.S. government is behind Seymour Hirsch because he's using sources that are clearly coming from. It's tricky, you know. It's tricky, but when you're anyway. when, you, when you're a conduit for, for for like sort of like this, you know, this kind of high level information that comes potentially from various countries and their security apparatuses, like you know, you kind of have to. Um, I don't know. In, in Julian Assange's case, I guess he'd argue that he's a he's a. If, if he thinks the information is worthwhile to, you know, global democracy or something, or, you know, global, global, he basically doesn't care who's behind you, liberatory, like, you know, potential of humanity, yeah, that he'll publish whatever, it doesn't matter who gives it to them, even if it's the devil, right? I mean, I know he's considered like a cult leader in a way, yeah, but at the same time, he's actually a follower of the sect freedom of information, I would call it, yeah. But before I think we talk about it, yeah, we should t- we should say why we why we're doing it, right? Yeah. Why we're doing it now about Julian Assange? Yeah, as always, I got <laughs> got the tickets. No, no, no. But I got how how do you think I find out about this stuff? By biking next to the Roxy. No, no. Um, what do you call it? Newsletter. Oh, Roxy, <laughs> Roxy Theater newsletter. Very valuable. Intelligence. <laughs> very valuable resource for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, there's a pretty great. For people who don't know in San Francisco, there's a pretty great old uh, movie theater that's in the Mission District. Mm-hmm. It's called Roxy, and they, you know, still, you know, they're like they show a bunch of independent films. And sounds yeah. like a stripper's name. Yes, Roxy. <laughs> but, but it's a serious movie. Or theater. a dog. Or a dog. Yeah. <laughs> 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 or your little, your little Roxy. anyway it's actually a really cool movie theater yeah and um i think they have even um very small i think there's actually big rocks and small and little roxy yeah a bigger screening room and then smaller yeah i think i always always go to the big roxy from what i understand smaller roxy is next door Mm, yeah yeah. and so anyway i got this uh (laughs) newsletter and i saw that oh there's this new documentary about julian assange and they have this interesting angle that the uh, filmmakers actually following Julian Assange's dad uh, going around the world trying to get Julian out of out of prison. Yeah. So yeah. So that's how that's how we um, went to see the film. But there, I didn't even. I guess I didn't read find fine print. Turned out Julian Assange's dad was right there in the lobby, and we got to talk to him. Yeah. We just yeah we walked into the we got the ticket you know we we wa- showed it's our tickets. It's very small theater. Yeah. Yeah. And we just standing there thinking about what kind of beer to buy mm-hmm. and then i like turn around no, and, and i i didn't know he will be there but also i didn't fully i you think didn't know maybe, what he I, looks maybe like. I saw a trailer you know ah, okay. but but it's not even just that he just looks like julian assange so if anyone who's like knows how julian assange looks like yeah. sees the dad without even seeing a movie you're like wait 
there's some connection. <laughs> yeah, there's like a kind of an old, yeah, there's like a 70-year-old Julian Assange there. 75-year-old Julian yeah. Assange, yeah. And, so, and, and, and do with kind of this bald, but also, but the, even the hair is the same color, you know, because it's like. Well, Julia Sager's dad is truly, um, <clears throat> has flat, real gray hair. Yeah, like real platinum hair. Yeah, not like dyed yeah. like yeah. Assange's. So, so anyway, but it, it, it's actually very uncanny when, when you see stuff like that. They like tall, skinny, have this yeah. kind of charm. No, and, so, and then we him. went up to him and said, you know, said hello and like one or two kind of you know, express our condolences, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, or just express our sadness about how his son is being treated and he's just basically being... Tortured. Uh, tortured, you know, to death, uh, is slowly, um, you know, being held in solitary confinement yeah. for all these years uh, by the British government. And um, and uh, it, was, it turned out, like, uh, he knew who I was and you knew yeah, my name. Like Yasha? Yeah, Yasha Levine, yeah. And, and he's like, oh, the exile. And it's like, oh, I, you know, and it turned out that he's... He's an old school fan of the exile. Uh, he, he said he found out about it. I, I don't know anything about it, but he said something like 91 message board. It's a, I think it's kind of impossible. In, in 91. Because but I, don't, I don't think it existed in 91. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. I think, you know, he's an old guy or he might be mixing things yeah. up. But if he knew about it, yeah. Well, he just found out about it maybe through some message boards. Also, that he got exile actually was founded in 97. Yeah, that's what so I'm saying. Anyway, he's <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. It didn't make any sense. Yeah. But, I mean, it, uh, the, the fact <clears throat> is that he might he have knew. been on some kind of on some kind of uh, political message board or kind of whatever message board and at the time that, you know, like, yeah, not, it's not like, it's not un- unlikely that that's no, no, how he no, found out. No, 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 just like about, maybe the year got mixed wrong, up, yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah, so I was surprised and kind of, you know, was kind of uh, flattered in a, bit, a bit, you know, to know that he he knows who I am. Yeah, and he was praising Mataibi. He was praising Mataibi, yes, oh, of course. Well, it, I mean, who who doesn't praise Mataibi at this point? Yeah. I mean, Matt Aibi is like the one, uh, basically he's like swallowed the up all the true god of journalism. Well, he swallowed up a all the other journalists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, yeah, Matt Aibi is actually a literal present day jury. Yeah, he's, he ate, uh, he, he uh, ate everybody up. <laughs> everyone up. And now he's just like, you yeah. just can live vicariously through him. And if you, because like, you're antagonistic, if you weren't, if you were not antagonistic, yes. what I noticed, he actually, through his Substack, tries to hire people. I could have had a job. Give, yeah, basically, he tries to give jobs to people because he makes so much money. You could yeah. have had probably better, better could have, I, could have, I could have had a job with uh, uh, under Matt Taibbi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but since you're antagonistic, you're just... I'm, I'm on the out, yeah. I, I just get my, I just get my, my job opportunities, like, gobbled up by you this, basically like... basically get chewed up and speed it up. <laughs> yeah, we all live in, like, it's like, it's like, it's Ubik as a Substack. You know, it's like everything yeah. is just taken over by in this kind no, of world. No, Ubik is not substance because I mean, Ubik is like positive force. Yeah, I mean, I mean, not Ubik is. I mean, the 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 afterlife world. Afterlife, like yeah, world, yeah, is substack. <laughs> substack, and he's a jory. <laughs> yes, he's jory, just eating but up all the information. But actually, we found out. Um, God, you know, I, I got, I'm blanking on Julian Assange's dead name. John, uh, John think, Shipton. John Shipton, yeah. So when we found out from John that actually. Um, uh, other formerly, I guess, left-wing radicals. Um, what's his name? The preacher guy. Doing really good on Substack. Oh, Chris Hedges. Because he mentioned him, I guess, maybe friendly or friends. Yeah. He was saying, oh, Chris is doing really good um, because I think he, he also, he, you maybe either told John you're on Substack. Too. It was clear that everyone in Substack. He, no, he, no, I'll tell you what no, the conversation he, was. he mentioned... I, well, he, I'll tell you how we got to that. Is because we started talking about the, like the freedom of information, right? And uh, I, I think you said that oh, you know, Yasha is pretty down on journalism. He thinks journalism is dead, 
because you know Julian Assange obviously wanted to free the world's information yeah. and and, ha- and wanted it to have a transformative effect on the world and you know transform it for the better. Right, and obviously, I said that. Right. Well, and obviously, you know, I we, I didn't say that to him because you know it's, I wouldn't I don't think it would have been polite, but. You know, ultimately, Julian Assange's vision, you know, was like a, a dream, right? It, it's opening up information. It's utopian. Yes, and it's and it's also not just utopian; it's also unrealizable because it doesn't actually like address the fundamental, like, like a reality of what actually makes information gives gives information power. So, information on its own is not power. It's you know, you can have you can know things, but you you can't really turn it into kind of action in the real world without physical on the ground organization of some kind. So, you know, if you're like a, a powerful state or any kind of state entity that has organization that can, you know, take intelligence about something and realize it and use it somehow, then you can, you know, realize it. But for, for like a global democratic movement or, or for people to use the power that's WikiLeaks released for, and for that to have any kind of impact on the world, you know, you actually need organization and pretty powerful, like, you know, democratic organizations all around the world. And of, of course, that didn't really exist. And they didn't materialize just because people had new information. Anyway, so my, that's I talk about this a lot. I write about this a lot, I, about the idea that, but you know, no. information without organization is like nothing. It's just, it's just, it's just sort of, edu- it's just sort of educational and... And, and, it's, and it's entertainment, you know? Or depressing, or because depressing, what kind yeah. of education is that if you or, can't act on any of the information or, you, or you receive? Or cynicism, yeah. yeah. But, but uh, okay, now I remember them, you know, yeah. we're still tired parents, so I like, have yeah, not great short-term memory. But I remember I also, uh, before watching the film, so I watched, I guess, the trailer for the film, yeah. and um, uh, John, uh, Assange's dad, said there that, you know, basically, he thinks if Assange goes down in all this, you know, I don't know, dies yeah. in prison or he never gets justice because it's unjust, unjust detainment, basically. Yeah. Uh, it means this means it means journalism is dead. He actually yeah. says this. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, that's I remember when we came up to John, I said, "Well, yeah, y- you you said that," and then Yasha kind of shares the sentiment in a different way, but just <laughs> not not even by being in prison or anything, but yeah. by being sort of. <laughs> you know marginalized and, and all other things and uh, yeah i think that's how the conversation came about by but i think he seemed kind of hopeful right and that's why he brought chris hedges into into this right well i mean yeah i just i just said that yeah i agree with that you know that yeah the, the journalism is dead and that yeah. basically like you know it's dead and then he actually started contradicting me and saying like well yeah, yeah. exactly and actually not really because you know like right. there's all these new technologies like mm-hmm. and then he started talking about Matt Taibbi and he started talking about Chris Hedges and that they're doing great work independently yes like, blah, independently blah, blah. so it's not like mainstream or like they call it you know prestige media or yeah. whatever you know like whatever mainstream corporate media that there's yeah, these other and then of course you know I was like okay why well, did you know we didn't really I didn't really challenge him on this because it's the point of challenging him but it's like I mean it's interesting that he, but he also he, saw these people it's interesting it's literally just a few names you can yes. keep going but not that many names he's like brings Metebi Chris Hedges and he says because I probably he knows Chris how well he's doing basically better yeah. than ever I guess financially yeah. he meant because he got he got this um, initials now uh, monogrammed his, shirts and everything or, and stuff like that and <laughs> doing really well and I'm like okay but that doesn't it tell you something about the system of a very yeah. democratic like I don't know merit 
based journalism subscription yeah. thing, whatever, whatever you, you call it, that it's actually like it's just still this hierarchy. Of course, that yeah. sucks up all the Jews. So it's I, don't a, know. I mean, they recreated. I mean, that's I yeah. Kinda, we, we didn't argue with him, but it just it's a recreation I mean, of look, a similar he, model. Look, he's just a dad. Who, yeah, yeah, we yeah. can we can talk about it a little bit later. But he's the dad who he he had he basically abandoned you know Julian Assange and his, and his when mom. When he was three. Yeah. So like, and he didn't have contact with him until in his twenties. Until yeah. Julian was in his twenties, already kind of starting to, to kind of no already made news as a hacker yeah already already, yeah, already kind of like well into this into his like i you know into the his identity as this guy who wants to fuck with power by you know break, hacking you know these the systems of these powerful institutions yeah and maybe certain analysts the psychoanalysts would talk about some daddy issues <laughs> no but there's something always with the hackers now that i yeah. i don't need this angle to explain things to me because yeah. it's not that interesting but there's always something yeah. and uh, the whistleblowers themselves are there can be more radical or equally radical as Assange in his pursuit. Yeah. They're all weird. And you always talk about it. In the end, they're like pretty weird people. Well, Julian Assange anyway. isn't a whistleblower. So yeah. he's just a hacker, he is, which is, you know, a different kind of rebellious, you he's know, like... He's rebellious. You frequently like kind of genius kind of kids who, yeah. who, who, who basically live vicariously through these, like, you know, who can test their own power or whatever, express themselves through like... You know, no, but he talks in the film. So there's like this newest documentary yeah. uh, that follows the dad. And um, oh, let me see. You see, I'm starting mixing up. Okay, the way we wanted to do the episode is this. So we watched this documentary and then remembered uh, that Laura Porteous in 2017 released another documentary about Assange mm-hmm. called Risk. And we watched that one too. And then I remembered in 2013, I um, Alex Gibney made a documentary called WikiLeaks We Got Secrets. Mm-hmm. That we got. We steal secrets. We steal secrets, right? And I watched it back in the day when in the movie theater, and we kind of started rewatching that too. So there are three documentaries about Julian Assange in the span of ten years. Yeah, they're all very different, obviously. And there's like a certain progression where I would say it's like Pretty decline, dark. Yeah. like dark progression of Assange's life. Them, if you watch them in in reverse, Especially, even. we watched them in reverse, basically, yeah. <clears throat> like twenty twenty. So we- Two yeah. to seventeen to thirteen, yeah, and it's dark. He obviously looks youthful and hopeful, <laughs> and looks like he actually something could change and something could mm-hmm. be cool. Yeah, yeah. But in yeah. Gibney's, then already in Laura Porches, you know, he already gets um, d- during the uh, documentary well, to the uh, you know Ecuadorian embassy. Ecuadorian embassy. All of, all of the stuff, yeah. all the all of the footage, basically from the second documentary of Laura Porches, which is I uh, will talk about. Got a bit more because there's because I know a little bit of the backstory there and right. even had even had um, interaction with Julian when he was still you know in the in the Ecuadorian embassy before he was you know transferred to a prison and then you know had his all of his communication privileges basically internet privileges revoked so he but I can I like interact with him briefly uh, about the the film actually and uh, we can talk about it, why yeah, not? We, we, yeah we want to talk about it now no because all I wanted to say was that you know with Poitras film it's like. It's interesting because with in Alex Gibney's film, it's like he's still around. He's moving around. He's in Iceland. He's in like he's um, he's in London. He's sort of like he's a jet setter. He's a jet setter. Like there's people clearly like you know he's like a he's a real rock star. You know can see like kind of this adoring kind of gaze that people have looking at him. And, and he looks like a rock star. Yes, he looks. If like I a, didn't know what he was doing and didn't know like if I wasn't connected yeah. to media and just saw him, I, I would think he's like a rock star. He's a musician. He looks like. Yeah. Kind of this rock star musician, like stringy, totally uh, cool hair, cool uh, <laughs> attitude, or something like yeah. that. So I mean, so like uh, yeah. with, with that, with like Alex Gibney's film, which is a great, which actually a great, that's like, probably docu- the best out of three, a great yeah. kind of by the numbers documentary, which actually gives you 
a sense of where you know where Julian Assange is coming from, uh, who he is, like what, what, like sort of you know his mission, and like it just actually is a is a very is a very well crafted documentary, and I think actually pretty fair. I mean, I know I remember it got slammed uh, when it came out because he kind of gave space quite a bit of space to the women in Sweden who you know made these allegations against uh, Julian Assange, but like at the time you know he but he I'd say it's probably the most kind of obje- objective and, obje- and measured and and and, res- and you know respectful i'd say in like kind of uh respectful of the subject it's not like a hit hit job or anything like that but yeah but like there he's just he's yeah he's jet sitting around it's like it's the the peak of his not just his fame but like his the way you know like the, when the the utopian vision is still being realized and it seems like something will happen and then of course laura poitras risk like basically picks up there and most of it is just him either being under house arrest in like, you know, in a country house, like in, somewhere in the countryside, in the English countryside, or in Ecuador, in the Ecuadorian embassy. So it's already all like kind of, uh, you know, claustrophobic and uh, enclosed. And then, you know, this third film, um, this mm-hmm. this first, this third film, uh, which, you know, we just went to see in the theater. And that's Ithaca, basically... Ithaca, I think it's called, Ithaca, right? Ithaca, yeah, which means family, I think. In Greek. Um, anyway, uh, it's uh, you know it, it actually they're actually on a on a national tour right now. It's it's they're going to all the different like different uh, cities and uh, all across America as we speak. You know, it's totally depressing and fucked up. I mean, you can't even see Julian Assange. He is in solitary confinement. Yes, yeah, so you can call see a little bit when sometimes. he when he's allowed to video call with his fiance, and yeah. he sounds like almost like drugged or something right like he sounds like there's you know, he's a very sharp guy and he's very you know he's like but is it almost sounds like he's on some kind of medication you know like just right. there's like a thickness in his voice it's like really slow and it all all and the, the whole thing is well, about he like sounds like a person who kind of gave up yes and it sounds very depressed and you know and sort of and like and and, and the movie is really just about his dad and his fiance, and who now you know is Assange's the mother of fiance. yeah Assange's fiance yeah uh, who now is the mother of you know of two two boys that kind of mm-hmm. look like one of them who looks like Assange you know who you know, and so Assange is now like a father with two kids you know who's and they're just sort of like going to all these different you know uh, hearings and whatever mm-hmm. and like planning strategizations to appeal the extradition to the United States. Right. Uh, because he, the United States basically has charged uh, Julian Assange with uh, espionage and and has requested extradition from the United from the UK, and sort of they're fighting these extraditions, you know. And so mm-hmm. it's like, and so very it's like kind a of procedural, very procedural, but also and then there's these interviews with uh, the fiance and you know uh, his and Assange's fiance and then Assange's dad and then them kind of you know talking about Assange and um, talking about his his his. Um, what he's going through, and it's interesting because both, I think, uh, Assange's fiance—I can't remember her name—Stella Morris. Stella Morris, yeah. So his Assange's fiance, uh, her name is Stella Morris. You know, they're like giving kind of these interviews and talking and telling about his life, and they're interesting because both of these characters, you know, Julian's Assange's dad, John, and Stella, they kind of come in late in the in the kind of somewhat late in the Julian Assange story, right? Because. Uh, I think his dad basically was kind of out, you know, was kind of in contact with him, but only became active in like the case when Julian was already uh, behind bars because uh, he, you know, he kind of saw himself as he, as he says it, like as, you know, his family's like, there's no one out there, not a lot of people out there who are willing to kind of fight for him. And so, like in a way that takes all of your time. People yes, completely. Are fighting, but yes, not, completely you know. like devote whatever, yeah. the, all the time you have to try to get him out. 